Hello. Hi. What would you like to have a conversation about? I'd like to have a conversation about Ex Machina. Hello. I am Professor Robert E.G. Black, and I am here with... Sarah Black. <laughs> That's all you want with yeah. after that? <laughs> How do you want to be introduced? I don't care. Simplest yeah, thing ever. My, name. my co-host from Pump Up the Minute, and wife, and professor, and famous TikToker. Ha. <laughs> <laughs> You've already been on this show, so we've already talked about that you didn't see Ex Machina until last year. We're on Minute 19, in which nothing happens. Things do. It's just very subtle. <laughs> it's very subtle. It's weird how well each of these minutes tied together. Mm, yeah. They're almost the same. Like, the feeling's the same. The clocks are the same. I mean, they're different times. Yeah, I, there's a little more emotion in Eternal Sunshine, but even that, we mostly saw it last minute. And so it's just kind of this quiet little interlude of being alone. Each one has a clock Yeah. this week. I'd say Eternal Sunshine's the most outwardly emotional. Mm. They're all emotional. I'd say Groundhog Day the least. It's just which emotion is being expressed. Yeah. There's definitely a lot of that, like, white male existentialist isolationist, like, caffeine dinner <laughs> thing going yep. on with, like, all three of those. They're all, like, almost at the start of this awakening to their transformation. Yeah. It's also the moment for Groundhog Day, literally, Eternal Sunshine, because they saved the opening credits to be so late. Also sort of literally, it's the point where that character is aware of the plot. Right. Yeah. <laughs> like, the time loop has started. <laughs> yes. Caleb's stuck in his room and realizes this is a weird place where they have security cameras going constantly and he can view them. And then Joel is uh, devastated and sad and driving around late at night by himself. Yeah, there's all this feeling of just being, like, trapped within one's existence. And it's like the start of how are they... Now that they have awareness of being trapped, like, how are they going to respond to it? Which I guess, in terms of movie structure, having all of that happen around minute 19, it's just how It's close to what work. I was saying but, in minute, yeah. two weeks ago. Yeah. <laughs> 17. But, it's more of that. And also, it occurs to me that means I think Caleb might be the healthiest in his dealing with it. Because mm -hmm. Phil doesn't really admit to himself oh, he's yeah. in a time loop until day three. <laughs> And Joel is going to erase things because he needs to deny it. So let's focus on Ex Machina. Yeah, because that's just when we start with yeah. Caleb in the bathroom. Still, we talked about his scars last time on his back because he was in the car accident where his parents died, in case you don't remember from doing the movie that one time. A year I don't. Ago. <laughs> I have a terrible memory. I can view a movie 10 times and I will get the meaning out of it and I will have thoughts and emotions from it, but I don't tend to, my brain doesn't work to where I will remember specific details about things or specific scenes of things or when people are citing movie quotes or just, I can't do it. Like my brain just does not hold that information. So from what little you remember of Ex Machina then, I wonder if you, what you would think of my observation last week mm -hmm. about his scars is that they look like they're matching scars on his back that reminded me of Lucifer in the TV show or in the mm -hmm. comic getting his wings removed. Like They look like scars from wings being gone, which I thought might have been on purpose. Are you saying this is like kind of the hero's journey underworld thing where he's like plunged into hell and now he has yeah, to deal with it? Yeah, he's Orpheus. Okay. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> he's Orpheus and except he's not, in the end, he's not Orpheus. He would be Eurydice. She'd be Orpheus. But yeah, same idea. 
he went down below ground to right. get here. He made a deal with the devil. Mm-hmm. And then even talking about the painting by Titian several weeks ago, that's all about sin. And it's on the wall in Nathan's office. We don't get much of that shot of his scars, though, because that was last minute. We cut pretty quickly this minute to him in bed. And we're looking at him from behind. And it occurs to me this is not a good place to sleep. You may have noticed this also because you have sleep issues sometimes. Oh, yeah. Well, there's a big bright blue light on the wall. Oh, yeah, which yeah. Isn't it's good not good to sleep with lights. The other lights are not off. The lamps are mm-hmm. off. But the embedded lights in the corners are still on. This room is still lit. Although that place is so creepy, I don't know that I'd want to sleep there in the absolute dark either. But you know how silent that room would be if you turned everything off? Actually, it's probably kind of. It probably would have a low hum from all of the wires in the walls. The last time I went to South Carolina and stayed at my parents' house, it was so quiet there. The first night, I stayed awake the entire night because sometimes just having absolute silence mm. is so much more disconcerting than having. Yeah, you got to turn on a fan of, or something just to yeah. have Is Yeah, we live in LA. If our power's out, there's still noise. Right. Because you, yeah, it's never silent. You got here. cars on the freeway. Like, yeah. Less than a mile from here. <laughs> it's not brightly lit, but it's lit. And he's having trouble sleeping. This room doesn't have windows, so he could have absolute darkness if he wanted it. He mm-hmm. doesn't need blackout curtains like we've got. Blackout curtains do not work, <laughs> by the way. <laughs> Sorry, this has nothing to do no, with it's films. Just, but... it's, it's fine. I was like, these ones right here in the living room are working really well. We should have these upstairs. These I don't know. But when I woke up this morning briefly and it was so light in our room, I was like, oh, I wonder what time it is. Looked at the clock. It's like 6.30. <laughs> it was bright light. So those <laughs> curtains are useless. But anyway. You just gotta get longer ones. Yeah. <laughs> so there's the beat. And then we get a reverse angle uh, over Caleb's shoulder on our first alarm clock of the week. It is 2.26 a.m. In the script, it actually specifies three different times. They were going to have like a little several cuts to show he's having trouble sleeping. I think this covers it with a single moment. As much as I love numbers, I should have looked up what they all were. I meant to, and then I didn't get to it. So, quick search on 226. It's a happy number. What the fuck is a happy number? I have never heard of a happy number, but for those who are into numerology or into the idea of angel numbers... Which you're definitely not. And I'm not really. It's come up on the shows before that. But anyway, when angel number 226 appears, it's telling you to stop thinking of your weaknesses as holding you back, to instead consider your weaknesses as strengths to propel you forward in life. That seems apt. Yeah. We just saw his scars and we're going to go mm-hmm. forward. This is the fact that he bothers to watch her on this footage right in this moment. He's starting to care. Right. It's saying to... View your weaknesses as vulnerabilities rather than negative traits and to consider how to use them to change the lives of others around you. The point is you can use your pain and weakness for yours and others' benefits. Right. Which he does. (laughs) So do we think that was a purposeful choice or not? I always think people, when people put clocks in films, it's purposeful. 226 is not one of the times (laughs) it's in the script. So maybe there could have been someone on the set who's like, so what time it is? And someone like, 226, it works. And knew this. Or it's just coincidence. And arguably, as someone who doesn't buy in to numerology and all the other stuff, this might sound wrong. But arguably, if those numbers actually mean those things, they would happen regardless of if someone intended it. Interesting. (laughs) 226 is also about spiritual development and growth. We started off this episode talking about transformation, like they're all going Mm -hmm. through. 
and it's saying that it's helping people through community and social projects getting involved in changing the systemic policies of your neighborhood. So I don't know if you look at the house as a neighborhood. Depending on how you define neighborhood and systemic. Yeah, all the terms, it could fit. I spent a long time, I didn't look up the number, but I spent a long time looking up his t-shirt because I Mm. knew you were going to be the guest in this minute. And I thought it looked like it was an album cover. Oh, okay. But it wasn't? I'm pretty sure it is is not because I found an auction selling what I think is the actual shirt that Donald Gleason wore in this scene. It is just a graphic tee from The Gap. Okay. So it may have just been bought at random because they want him to appear as an American, Mm -hmm. even though they're filming in the UK and Norway and he's Irish. It's just uh, three images of a highway, a tree line with a mountain, and a parked car on a road. And nine stars, which I couldn't think of any reason why they would pick this particular shirt other than just mm-hmm. it looked generic and he could wear it. It doesn't look like anything specific. Problem is, I thought it looked like something very specific, and it wasn't. It does have a stamp that says Los Angeles, California, though, so maybe we're supposed to think that's where he's from. I don't know. I was hoping it was some cool, like, 80s band that I didn't know mm-hmm. the album cover, but no. So he rolls over toward the clock after sighing. Get a reverse, and he's facing the camera, and he says, damn it. And that's when he grabs the remote off the table next to him and rolls onto his back. And he just kind of puts his head up at first as he turns the TV on on the opposite wall. And I like the shot here because I think it's actually an unusual thing for Garland to do, or his DOP, but it's the same guy each time, because we don't get a shot of him sitting there at first. The camera's focused on, it follows the remote to his hand. And so it's like this object instead of this person. And then it cuts to the TV. It comes back and we get him sitting there watching, but for a moment it kind of detaches from the person, which in this cold space is interesting because it should be doing the opposite of what it's doing. So as a person who doesn't remember anything, why does the TV come on? Does he want him to see that? Is it an accident? Like, why is he he getting this information? I think that's why his next, we only get two lines of dialogue in this Mm -hmm. minute. He said, damn it, because he's having trouble sleeping. And then he says, what the fuck? Right. <laughs> and I think that's his question, too, is yeah. why is he seeing security footage when he turns his TV on? Yeah. I can see why there's no TV necessarily. There's a TV in the room, but maybe Nathan doesn't want him to have television because he doesn't want him to be distracted by world events if anything interesting happens that week. Because he's only there for a week. He mm-hmm. shouldn't have distractions. But I don't know why there's a TV then. He should be able to watch like movies. There should be a pay-per-view. But he doesn't even get an option goes directly to security camera in Ava's room. So, and then when he switches the channel and clicks, it just goes to different security cameras of the same area. So is it just the panopticon, like, use of power where you can see the power structure, but you can't do anything about the power structure as a flex? To partly. Just, yeah. <laughs> uh, partly, yes. And also, I think there is a practical reason in that since he's the one who's supposed to be testing Ava, he might want to watch what she does when she's by herself. It might be a mm-hmm. useful test to see what she's like. But we never got a conversation where Nathan told him that. So it doesn't really work. He also doesn't, I don't think they have a conversation about it later either. He doesn't talk to Nathan about the fact he can watch her at night. So yeah, it's a little of both. It's also a reminder that there's probably cameras in his room. Nathan can see everything right. he's doing. And it's something that Caleb doesn't get that message because later he's doing secret stuff mm-hmm. and he could easily get caught. He just happens to be slightly more when clever was this than film Nathan thinks he is. Or released? 2014. Okay, that's what I thought. So that coincides 
with when smartphones were increasingly in existence. Like that was the year that there was a huge increase in people having hmm. access to well, them. Well, that's how... And so lack of privacy, loss of privacy, constant monitoring, surveillance. Yeah. Well, Nathan <laughs> will actively describe that later. That's mm-hmm. how he figured out how to program emotional responses and facial expressions was he turned on all of the cameras on everyone's phone just spying on everybody Mm -hmm. constantly. Then we are just seeing ourselves through Caleb witnessing our own realization of our lack of privacy and constant Mm -hmm. And it also might then connect us with Ava, even though we barely met her, Mm -hmm. is that we might care that she's stuck in this space where she's constantly being watched. And she didn't have a choice. Caleb has a choice. He can leave. Well, I guess technically he can't leave for a week, but he cannot participate. It's interesting when we think about things like TikTok or other spaces that people use for activism, there's still spaces that are monitored and controlled. And Mm -hmm. (laughs) then we can get even more conspiratorial about like controlled opposition and things like that, but I don't necessarily do it now. (laughs) Yeah, so we get just a series of shots of what he's seeing on the screen, him sitting there in bed, and he sits up once he realizes what he's watching and pays a little more attention. And what we get is one angle on Ava's room from, I don't know how to describe which corner it's from. We're looking down from the right. And she is sitting at the desk and she's drawing. We won't see what she's drawing till later. And we'll see that she draws every night. But when he switches the channel, we get a different angle, which is, and I loved that they showed this because I didn't realize it. The camera is out in the yard outside her window with that tree in it. And there is no door. Which means she hmm. has a yard with a tree that she can, can see, and but not she access. can't go there. I'm not even sure if that tree is real. I'm not sure if the tree area is open to the above, or if it's just a fake illusion for her. That is super interesting. Yeah. And then he clicks again and gets a third angle, now from the left side of her room looking sort of behind her. And I believe that is when he says, what the fuck? That makes me think about how so few people can access... Again, because of, like, money and power, natural spaces, and we're, like, so far in the simulation that instead of having those spaces, again, through our smartphones, what's become popular? Like, nature apps, meditative thing. Like, we Mm. don't experience those things naturally through, like, communing with it. We do it through as, like, commodified products that are sold to us. Or we we buy a bunch of commodified products to go do our nature hike. Yes, that is another aspect. Right, right. We have to buy the nice water bottle and (laughs) the the fancy uh, trail mix, the nice clothes. You got to be, especially in LA, if you're not wearing something nice when you're out hiking, people are going to look at you weird. And as for content, that's pretty much this minute is we get three angles of the room he's watching. And at the end of the minute, he gets up from his bed and starts walking toward the TV. He's definitely taking notice of the fact that he's allowed to watch this. And the three angles could tie back to the religious or spiritual element with the Trinity. So. Oh, which goes to the main cast, basically three right. people. The Titian painting was three people and three mm-hmm. animals with lots of biblical references in this. So, yeah, it makes sense. And so, yeah, the panopticon of the house is letting Caleb know it's there. He just is a little too distracted by Ava still, which is really the test, especially if he's an android. Just throwing that out there because I have yeah. a habit of mentioning it every episode because I am a nuisance to my own show. <laughs> what would you like to tell people about before you get out of here until tomorrow? 
So if you're interested in hearing about music and politics in a longer podcast form, you can listen to Life as a Playlist. If you're interested in me discussing these things in 60 seconds or less, feel free to follow com, C-O-M-M underscore lion on TikTok. Thank you for listening. Minutia Ex Machina is just one part of an existential trilogy of podcasts. Tune in every Tuesday for more Ex Machina, every Wednesday for the Groundhog Day Project Minute by Minute, and every Thursday for Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Minute. You can follow all three shows in one feed. Just search An Existential Trilogy. Follow this show on Twitter at xmanusha, Instagram at manusha underscore x underscore machina, or Facebook at manusha x machina. This has been a production of Lemming Drops Studio. You can find links to more at lemmingdrops.com, or join the Facebook group Lemming Drops Studio Tour. Also, you can support all my shows at patreon.com slash lemmingdrops. Until next time. What imperative does a gray box have to interact with another gray box? Can consciousness exist without interaction? The real test is to show you that she's a robot and then see if you still feel she has consciousness. Mm.